Welcome to the Dutill Sermons Podcast, a ministry of Dutill Church in Cranberry Township, PA. Each week, we share the message from our Sunday services. Be sure to click subscribe and follow along every week. This week's message reflects on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came upon those gathered in Jerusalem and the church was born. The message is titled, Spirit Poured Out, and is based on Acts 2, verses 1 through 21. Hear now this week's message from Pastor of Student Ministries, Bud Fickley. So today, we are jumping in, and we are celebrating a very important holiday in the life of the church. What might be, I don't know, I think the third most important holiday, right behind Christmas and Easter, might come the holiday of Pentecost. And yet, it seems like there's a weirdness around the holiday of Pentecost as we celebrate it. Maybe it's because when we think and we we look at the other two holidays, there's some secular recognition of those holidays. And so, you know, we often talk at Christmas about being in the Christmas spirit. And at Easter, we've got things like egg hunts and, and all of the stuff that fills the, the stores and reminds us that it's Easter. But you know, there's nobody out there other than in church who's really celebrating the day of Pentecost, right? That's not really a thing that we see all over. And when even when it comes to celebrating Pentecost, different churches celebrate it in some ways. There are churches out there that just kind of breeze past the day. They may mention it briefly, but really put no time and effort into it. Other churches, the whole congregation will turn out in red. They'll have a birthday cake or something like that as they recognize it as being the the birth of the church. A church like Dutil, we've got a variety of things going on. We've got, we're, we're, we're working in a little bit of Memorial Day here. Some of you all wore your red. I did not. Um, it occurred to me, it occurred to me on yesterday as I was sitting, we were, we're, my family and I are camping this weekend and I'm sitting at camp looking over my message notes and I had the line in there about people wearing red and I thought to myself, well, I packed a green shirt for tomorrow, so that's what I'm wearing because that's what I have. Um, but, but right, we, we celebrate Pentecost in a variety of ways and maybe that's because for a lot of us, we don't really understand the nature of what Pentecost is. We don't really understand how it came to be or, or, or what it really symbolizes. We, we talk about the story of the Holy Spirit, but you know, there's a lot more to Pentecost than just this one day. In fact, we get a little clue into it because at the beginning of Acts chapter two, the first line that we read there says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all gathered together in one place. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all gathered together in one place. Before the Holy Spirit ever poured out on the disciples, they were already gathered for the day of Pentecost. Why? Well, Pentecost is actually a Jewish festival. They, they, they'll generally refer to it as the festival of weeks, or, or, or I think it's Shavuot is, is how they would pronounce the word. But, but it's a festival that's actually laid out in Leviticus. They're supposed to celebrate this, this festival that comes. Now, you, you math whizzes out there might recognize Penta as meaning five or 50. And in this case, it comes 50 days after the, the Passover. So on, on Passover Saturday, which is the Saturday before we celebrate Easter, they have, they celebrate their, their Passover Sabbath, and then they're told in the Bible to go to the next day and count a week of weeks, or 49 days, which gets us to 50 days after that Saturday is when this thing called Pentecost happens. And if you ever count Sundays from the, the Sunday of Easter to the Sunday of Pentecost, 50 days later, it doesn't add up. 
We're one day off, right? Well, we're one day off because they're actually counting it from the Saturday before Easter, not the Saturday of Easter. But that day after Easter is really important in the Jewish holiday life as well. It's known as the Feast of First Fruits. So in the Jewish calendar, they celebrate first the Passover, this recognition of God saving them and pulling them out of Egypt. And then on the day after Passover, they come together for this feast of first fruits. And when they're celebrating the feast of first fruits, it's a recognition that, that God gave them this opportunity once they were free to, to begin an agricultural life. They were able to start creating fruit and, and, and bringing things forward. And then on the day of Pentecost, a week of weeks after the, the day of first fruits, what we find is that they celebrate the start of the wheat harvest. It's a very important time. They bring their first, their first crop, the best of their first crop of wheat, and it's brought before God as an offering. And so the disciples on that day have gathered together to provide this offering, to, to follow in line with what Jewish customs said they ought to be doing. But there's also something interesting about that day. It's one of what they call the pilgrimage holidays, which means that Jewish men, of a certain age and older, were supposed to travel to the temple at Jerusalem in order to celebrate this holiday. So here we go. Here we are, 50 days after the Passover, and all of these Jewish people from all over the area have, have come together in one place. Now, I didn't make Allison pronounce all of the words, but you remember there's that section in the middle where they name places like Frisia and Mesopotamia and all of these other things that, I don't know, if you're reading it to yourself, you probably just glaze over those names and keep moving with the story because they're not really all that important, except we need to understand that people came from all over to be in Jerusalem for this festival of Pentecost, for this feast of the harvest as they celebrate the first of the harvest of God um, for each year. All right. So that gives us a little bit of a context of where we are as we're beginning to talk about Pentecost. Now, I want us to go back a little bit in Jesus' life from, from where the disciples are. We're going to go back a couple of years to where Jesus sends his disciples out for the very first time. So Jesus has come and he's gathered his disciples and they're all together and they've been going about. And then in Luke chapter 10, verse 2, Jesus is getting ready to send out the 72. You might recall that, that story where, where Jesus, he's been walking with the disciples. He said, all right, you're going to get a chance to go out and practice everything we've been talking about, healing people, casting out spirits and all of this stuff. But he says to them, the harvest is bigger than you can imagine and there are few workers. Therefore, plead with the Lord of the harvest to send out workers for his harvest. What is the harvest? Well, he's not talking about sending people out into the grain fields to bring the wheat in, right? That's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is going out into the world to claim people for God, to, to help change lives and souls so that people can better understand who God is and, and how God plans to save all of humanity. All right, you ready for this? On the day of the first fruits, it's the day of the resurrection. The first time when Jesus comes back, He's known as the first fruit of the, of the resurrection. He's the first fruit of the dead. He's the first one to be brought back from, to life, to life eternal on the day of the first fruits. 49 days later, on the feast of the harvest, Jesus, or God, sends the Holy Spirit to make that first harvest. 3,000 people are saved that day. Thousands of years earlier, when God lays out these feasts for the Jewish people, he has in mind 
the death and the resurrection of his son and the coming of the Holy Spirit. There's a direct relationship here. And so God says, all of this stuff that you've been doing, that wasn't just as a remembrance of, of me delivering you out of Egypt, but there's more to it because this is how I'm actively going to save all of the world. This is how we're gonna extend our salvation from just the Jewish people to everybody. And then we do nothing with it. We just kind of leave it there on the day of Pentecost because too often when we preach a Pentecost sermon, we like to talk about what happened on that day. But the Spirit is for us now and today. The Spirit is for us each and every day. And so what I want to do today, more than focusing on exactly what happened, and that's why we didn't read all the names and the people and stuff like that, I want us to focus on how the Holy Spirit is working in our lives now, in this day today. So if we look at the end of that section that Allison read, Peter says this in the first Christian sermon ever preached. Peter stands up and says, rather, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young will see visions. Your elders will dream dreams. Even upon my servants, men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will cause wonders to occur in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And we read this. And we hear about these these spiritual gifts that that he's talking about. Many of us might recognize those as as spiritual gifts. And and we get stuck there. But you know, there's, there's two phrases that we talk about as the Spirit works in our lives. One is the gifts of the Spirit, but the other is the fruit of the Spirit. And I don't think we spend enough time talking about the fruit of the Spirit because when we compare the gifts of the Spirit with the fruit of the Spirit, we find that we both they both ought to be at work in our lives and they do two different things. So the gifts of the Spirit are out there for kingdom growth. Things like prophesying and teaching and helps and hospitality and all of these wonderful gifts that are named, they're there to help grow the church. But the fruit of the Spirit, that's there to help grow you and I. That's there to help us grow more into the image of who Jesus is. And so when we, when we think about how the Spirit works through the fruit of the Spirit, that's the Spirit working in each of us. It's an inward thing. When we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, what we're talking about is the Spirit working through us, that that the Spirit enables us to do things so that the kingdom can grow. And here's what's really important. When we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, when we're talking about those, we ought to manifest every one of them. We ought to see each and every one of them growing in us when we're thinking about the Spirit working in us. The gifts of the Spirit, those are given One, two, here, there, maybe not the same all the time. Why? Because God doesn't call the equipped. God equips the called. And so when when God sees us growing in his spirit, when God sees the fruit evidenced in us and and says, oh, here is a good faithful disciple that I can use. And then God says, this is a spot in the church that needs to be filled. Well, God equips that person to fill that spot not necessarily the other way around. God doesn't say, oh, that person's really good at this. I'm going to use them for that. No, God says that person is faithful. And so I'm going to give them the gifts they need to fulfill this role in the church. Does that make sense? And so so when we start to think about how these things are present in us, too often, I think because we want that outward sign of the Spirit working in us, we want that, that, that outward, um, I can do it kind of attitude that is so American in so many ways, we focus more on the gifts of the Spirit than we do on growing the fruit of the Spirit in us. And I'll tell you what, we're not the first ones to do it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 
we love to read this scripture for weddings for some reason. It has nothing to do with a wedding. I don't know why we do this, but it talks a lot about love, and so maybe that's why we like it, but it's not, we're not talking about marriage love here. We're talking about how the church ought to function with itself. Paul was in the middle of talking about how spiritual gifts ought to be used, and it's almost as though halfway through, he's like, wait a second, we gotta clarify something here before we move on. Let me, let me read this to you. Uh, chapter 13, starting at verse one. If I speak in tongues of human beings, that's a gift, and of angels, but I don't have love, I'm a clanging gong or a clashing cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, there's another gift, and I know all of the mysteries and everything else, and if I have such complete faith that I can move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give away everything, that I have and hand over my body to, to feel good about what I've done, but I don't have love, I receive no benefit whatsoever. Remember, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Listen to this next section. Love is patient. Love is kind. It isn't jealous. It doesn't brag. It isn't arrogant. It isn't rude. It doesn't seek its own advantage. It isn't irritable. It doesn't keep a record of complaints. It isn't happy with injustice, but it is happy with the truth. Love puts up with all things, trusts all things, hopes for all things, endures all things. If you kind of read through those, you can match a lot of those phrases that Paul uses with fruit of the Spirit that are named out. Some of them directly, others in concept or idea. Paul says, listen, you can have the good gifts, you can have all of these wonderful gifts that people are seeking after, but if you don't have the fruit, if you don't have love and everything that comes with loving the world around you, then these gifts that you have, they're useless. They serve no purpose. Because if we're not filled with the Holy Spirit first, we ought not expect that the Spirit is going to work through us. Instead, we need to stop and take time and focus on how we grow the Spirit inside of us. How, do, how we see the, the, the fruit working in us before we expect the gifts to work through us. So let me ask you, how you doing with the patience thing? When was the last time somebody pulled out in front of you in traffic? Right? When was the last time somebody, somebody saw you come into the line at Walmart and jumped in in front of you because they didn't want to have to wait for one more shopping cart? We're not always great with that patience thing, are we? Some of us might do pretty well with love when we're talking about people we like or our family, but all of a sudden you start talking about people in the world around us that we're eh, kind of on the edge about, we struggle. There are some people with whom I can be very kind. And there are some people with whom I have about this much kindness and it's gone very quickly, right? Because we're not always great at manifesting that fruit. We're not always great at doing the things that help grow that fruit inside of us. And so how do we grow that fruit inside of us? Well, this is a good place to start. When we start with the Bible and spending time reading in the scripture and understanding what God wants to say to us, we're, we're filling ourselves up with the spirit. We're filling ourselves up with God's word and we can begin to see some of that fruit become more real in our lives. How's your prayer time? Are you spending time talking to God? Because we want God to pour himself into us without us taking the time to pour ourselves into God, right? That relationship has to be both ways. We, we can't expect that God's gonna do all of these things in and through us if we're not first surrendering ourselves to God. And so how's your prayer life? Are you spending time talking to God? Are you creating intentional space or is it, or is it little moments here and there where, where you, you can sneak a minute so you throw something up to God and you call it good for the day because, well, I'm praying, but 
No, the truth is God wants us to choose to spend time. Relationships, friendships, anything in our life where we're communicating with another person works best when we intentionally invest time in it. And the same is true with God. We gotta stop and we gotta invest time. And the more time that we invest in reading, in prayer, in spending time being in worship and recognizing who God is, the more we'll begin to see God's spirit filling us up. We'll notice more patience when we're dealing with the kids. We'll notice more love and joy and kindness when we're dealing with people who are sometimes a little extra grace required, you know? And as we do that, as we see that spirit filling us up, filling up the fruit in us, exhibiting more of that fruit within us, we might not be shocked to find that there are some gifts that come out of us. Because you may not think you have the patience to deal with a third grade Sunday school room, but all of a sudden, when you've spent time with God, when you've been intentional about how, how you might submit yourself to God's will, and God says, I need somebody in the third grade classroom, and I'm going to give this person the patience that they need to deal with it. And you're like, I have never wanted to work with a third grader before in my life, and I love these kids. I love these kids because God equips the called. God doesn't call the equipped. Or you might find yourself suddenly standing out in the greeting area talking to people that you've never talked to before because, let's be honest, you're an introvert and you don't like to talk to strangers that you don't know. But man, the more time that you spend with God filling up on the Spirit and growing the fruit inside of you, the more you're willing to step out and shake somebody's hand and say hi on a Sunday morning because, my gosh, the Spirit is just flowing out of you and pouring out of you because there's too much of it in you to keep there. We like the gifts of the Spirit. They feel good. We can point to God working in our lives and making good things happen. But that's not gonna come if we don't focus on the fruit first. We're not gonna experience the gifts until we've grown the fruit inside of us. And so as we leave this place today, I wanna challenge you. We still, gotta, we gotta, still got a song to sing. We're not going quite yet, but I, wanted, I want you to walk out of here with, with a challenge. What I want you to do is I want you to think about the moments and the places and the spaces where those fruits of the Spirit are not necessarily so evident in your life. If you need to, to remember them, Google them when you get home or something like that. But love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, right? Where are you struggling on those? Where, and it might not be all of them. It might be one here, one there, that sort of a thing. And when you notice yourself struggling, stop and take a moment with God. Stop and take a moment with God to say, God, I'm struggling with this. I don't know why I'm struggling with this. Help me understand where I need to grow in me so that you can use me better. Because that's the point of God pouring out his spirit on the church, right? That's the, the point of this whole day is that God poured out his spirit. Why? Not so that the 12 could be saved, but so that they could stand up in front of 3,000 and 3,000 could come to know Jesus. What if 140 of us stood up so that 14,000 could be saved or something like that? How would this world look different if we allowed the, sport, the spirit to be poured into us so that we could pour it back out? Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for the gift of your Holy Spirit in our lives. We're so grateful that you have entrusted us with the work of your church, that you have entrusted us to be the, the means by which others are saved. Help us to be faithful to that call. Help us to step out in faith and in trust of your Spirit, filling us and using us and renewing us each and every day. We ask this in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Dutail Church. A great way to respond to the message is to click on the discussion guide in the episode description. The guide is designed to help you reflect on the sermon individually or with a small group. 
We'd love to have you join us at Dewchill Church for our weekly worship services. We worship at 9.30 and 11 on Sunday mornings, and you can worship with us in person or live online at dotillchurch.org. Please join us on the podcast for next week's message. In the meantime, may the Lord bless you and keep you.